Okay. Uh, again, as I'll send out, but every, the learning should be for the, the Zech Nishmas, uh, the, the people that sponsored. Uh, okay, we are up to Daf Yud Amid Beis. Well, bottom line. So we said there's a concept called Pachas Nevela. Pachas Nevela means as follows. There's two ways, yeah. There's two ways to look at it. Let's say I, my, uh, an ox worth $1,000 falls into, into my pit and dies. So one way to look at it is I owe $1,000. That is not how we paskin. I just turned it on. We paskin that the Pasuk says, <laughs> the Pasuk says, Tashlume nezek, yashli menu nezek, which means you're not obligated to pay and replace the entire animal. You're obligated to make the animal whole. What it means is the carcass belongs to the nizik. If the carcass is worth $300, I just have to pay the difference between $300 and $1,000. And we said yesterday, I, that's how we paskin. So what's the alternative? The alternative is that, no, the second the animal dies, the carcass belongs to me. I'm, I'm the owner of the pit. To your animal. The second the animal dies, I, I owe you $1,000 to replace the whole animal, but the carcass belongs to me. So the question is, what was the difference? Because either the carcass belongs to you and I just have to pay you $700 to replace it, or the carcass belongs to me, but I'll give it to you, and then I'll only pay $700. What's the nafkamina? So the nafkamina is if there's a degradation of value, because if I'm paying it back, if I'm paying it back, then, meaning if it belongs to me, the carcass, and I'm, paying, I'm using the carcass as payment... So then, the halacha would be that it's based on the value that I still owe you $1,000. And if after the court case, they give me a psak, let's say the carcass was worth $300 at the time of death, but now it's worth $250, well, I have to pay now $750 because I have to make up for it. But if you believe, which is how we paskin, that it belongs to the nizik, then whatever, I don't have to pay for the carcass. The carcass was never part of the cheshman. So at the time of death, what was the value of the carcass? $300? I don't care that it's $200 now. It doesn't matter. I only owe you $700. So the Gemara feels that perhaps this Shiloh of who does the carcass belong to, and am I obligated to pay basically $1,000 or just to make up $300 to $1,000? Am I just obligated to pay $700? tanoi. I think it's a machlekes tanoi. How so? The Pasuk describes that if I'm a Shem Rechinam and I am uh, negligent, I'm a shomer and I'm negligent, so I'm I'm asked to watch your animal. I'm negligent, and a lion comes and attacks. So the halacha is I have to pay you back. But the pasuk says yevieu aid. Aid is a lashon edus. So what does that mean? Two opinions. The first opinion is The first opinion is if you want to get out as a let's say shomer sacher, you're a paid watchman. You want to not have to pay. Bring edim aid, meaning bring edim that you that it was an onus. And you don't have to pay, right? A shomer sacher is obligated to pay if it's a pshia, but he's not obligated to pay if it's an onus. So if you locked up properly and the lion just jumped over the fence, it's an onus, and then you're potter. Yivyeu aid means bring aidim, and then you'll be exempt. But we're not focusing on that opinion because that's universally accepted that you're not obligated for onus. If you bring aidim, you're exempt. The second opinion is the main point. Abishal Oimer Yavi Aduda LeBezdin. Abishal says bring the carcass to Bezdin. Why? So let's think outside. What is the Pasuk saying by bring the carcass to Bezdin? The answer is Abishal obviously feels who owns the carcass. Meaning, 
Am I obligated, again, there's two ways to look at it. I have to pay $1,000. If I have to pay $1,000, then why am I bringing the carcass to Besden? It doesn't matter. The carcass is just a method of payment. I could pay with the carcass. I could pay with uh, chairs. It doesn't matter. I, the Torah would not require me to bring the carcass to Besden. The answer is, I'm not obligated to pay for the carcass. I'm only obligated to pay for the difference between a live animal and a dead animal, in which case you better bring the carcass to Besden because I don't know how much I'm obligated. Meaning, if I have to replace the entire animal, $1,000, and the method of carcass is just a method of payment, the Torah would not require me to bring the carcass to Bezit. Also, it won't even help, because you have to know what the animal was worth at the time of death, not necessarily at the time of court case. But the answer is, if I'm not obligated to replace the whole animal, I'm obligated to pay the difference between a dead animal and a live animal. So I don't know how much I'm obligated unless you bring the carcass to Bezit, evaluate how much it's worth, Okay, it's worth $300, it was worth $1,000, so now I'm obligated to $700 in between. That's why the Torah would require me to bring it to Bezin. It's because you have to ascertain what's the Chiyuv. Now that only makes sense if, you're, if, you, if you hold, you're only obligated to pay the difference between dead and alive. So the Gemara says, my That must be the Machlaikas. That's possibly the Machlaikas between Abishol and the Tanakama of whether the Pasuk is telling me to bring the carcass to Bezdin. If I have to replace the entire animal, then I don't have to bring the carcass to Bezdin. I could maybe if I wanted to, but I'm not obligated to. It doesn't make a difference. But if I'm only obligated to pay the difference between dead and alive, you have to bring the carcass to Bezdin because I don't know how much I'm obligated to pay because I'm not obligated to replace the entire animal. I'm obligated to pay the difference between alive and a dead animal, and I don't know what that is until you bring it to Bezdin. So the Gemara says no. It could be actually, everyone agrees, that you're only obligated to play the difference between uh, dead and alive. So why does one opinion say the Pasuk is requiring me to bring the Bezdin? I thought everyone agrees you should bring it to Bezdin. The answer is, the Pasuk is not, when you see that, the, the, according to the Abishol, when he says bring the carcass to Bezdin, there's two ways to analyze this. The way we were thinking about it till now is the Torah is saying, you want to know how much you got to pay? Bring the carcass to Bezdin. The answer is no. Everyone agrees you have to do that. What is the Pasuk really saying? It's not saying that you should bring the carcass to Bezdin. It's saying who's obligated to bring it. Meaning, it's my pit. Your animal falls into my pit. Everyone agrees I'm only obligated to pay the difference between dead and alive. So I do have to know how much the carcass is valued at. So what is the Pasuk saying, according to Abishol? It's not saying bring it to Bezdin. It's saying I have to bring it to Bezdin. Getting an animal out of a pit is not easy. I, the mazik, have to do the tircha of schlepping it there. Meaning, so the answer is, everyone agrees that the carcass has to get to Bezin to ascertain the value. Abishol's not saying that. Abishol is saying, not that it has to get to Bezin, who has to bring it to Bezin. It's the mazik's responsibility to schlep it there. And the mazik can't say, listen, I'll pay, but get that animal out of my pit. No, 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 you get the animal. And if you have to pay to get the animal out, then you get the animal out. That's not my responsibility. You have to bring it to Bezin. So not that it has to get to Bezin, but who has to bring it to Bezin is the Machlekes. So the Gemara says, everyone agrees that it has to get to Bezin. The Machlekes, Abishol and Tanakama, is whose responsibility is to schlep it there. The Gemara says... Uh, yeah, why, why, why does it matter who has to bring it there? Because, what do you mean? I don't want to bring it. What do you mean? Your animal falls into my pit and it's dead. And you're taking me to court. And I'm saying, fine, bring the animal. And you're like, you bring the animal. Well, who's right? It's a, it's a heavy animal. And it's, it's a deep pit. It's a big deer. It's a, you get an ox out of a pit. I, like, so my point is, I'm not going to do it. Y'all pay. You bring it. And the other guy says, no, you bring it. The Pasuk is saying, then Mazik has to schlep it. The Gemara says, The Machloik is who's obligated to schlep the animal. 
V'hatanya, and I have a brace that backs it up. The brace says, Achir ma'imri minayin shal bal habar l'halo yishar mibar. How do I know that the owner of the pit is obligated to schlep the animal out? Tamalemer kesev yoshev labalov v'hames. The Pesach says, kesev yoshev alav. You have to return the animal, v'hames, meaning return the dead body to the... Amrli abayi l'rava. Now, here's the question, though. It's just a quick point. It, again, I, I, let's say I'm the owner of the pit. Your animal fell into my pit. I need okay. The animal has to get to Bezdim because I got to know how much um, how much the, the difference is. Right now, we're saying that I'm obligated to schlep the animal out. The question is, why, why does the pasuk have to tell me that? What's the value of the carcass? Right, I'm obligated to pay the difference between the carcass between a living animal and a dead animal. So you got to figure out the carcass. You got to figure out the living animal, and you got to deduct the difference. There's probably a difference in value between a carcass in a pit. And a carcass, not in a pit. So wouldn't it be of my own best interest to bring the carcass to Besden? Meaning, let's say there's a market value. How much is a carcass worth? $300. But you go to the same guy, listen, I have the same carcass, but it's 10 feet in a ditch. He's like, I'll give you 100 bucks. There's a $200 difference. So wouldn't it be of my own interest? Why are the, the Torahs requiring me to bring the dead animal to Besden? Wouldn't it make more sense that I want to bring the dead animal to Besden? Because if I don't, then you're going to go with the value of the carcass in a pit, which is seemingly less than a carcass outside of a pit. So I'm going to have to pay more. So wouldn't it make more yeah, sense? For, maybe getting it out of the pit is that difference. Oh, so the, I guess the Gemara is, is uh, it's a good point. The Gemara is assuming that there wasn't a cost in money of getting it out. It was just a cost in just effort. But it's a good point. Obviously, if you are taking into account, that would be important. The Gemara is just saying, what's the difference? So the Gemara's answer is going to be that the value of a carcass was the same. People would pay the same amount of money for a carcass in a pit and a carcass out. I guess schlepping, they had cheap labor and they were just like, it doesn't matter to me. I'll pay the same amount. $100 here, $100 there, it makes no difference. And that's why, to me, it's all the same. Therefore, the Torah has to require me to schlep it out. The Gemara says inside. The Gemara says, What's the case that the mazik is required to schlep the animal out? If the case is in the pit, it's worth $100, but outside the pit, it's $400, I should want to schlep it out because then I'm going to have to pay less because then the value of the carcass is more. So Rabbi said, the case is, it's worth $100 in the pit, it's worth $100 out of the pit. It's the same value. So to me, it's all the same. I'm going to have to pay the same $900 anyway. The Torah is saying, I have to schlep it out. So the Gemara says, me, Ika, Kai, Gavna, is there such a thing that the value of the kark is the same, whether it's in a pit or out? And yes, Domri and she, some people say, you have a beam in the house, it's worth a zuz, a beam in the field, it's worth a zuz. Meaning, yeah, it makes no difference. If the, the guy wants a carcass, he'll pay the same amount of money, he'll go into the pit to get it. Okay, now, um, let me just explain. We're going to do one more halacha related to this, and then we're just going to have like five or six unrelated dinam, just because they were quoted by the same Amor. Now, this concept that we have, that we've been dealing with over the last couple lines, is that I killed the, the animal, the animal was damaged in my pit, right? A thousand dollar animal dies in my pit. I would think I have to replace the entire animal. The Torah says, no, you only have to pay the difference between a dead animal and a live animal. Now again, as I mentioned yesterday during the daf, that is very beneficial to me. That is a leniency to the mazik. Meaning, if the Torah wanted to punish me, the owner of the pit, they would just say, pay $1,000. But the Torah is not doing that. The Torah is saying, listen, pay the difference. It could be $700. So the Torah is actually being lenient to me. The question is, how far does this leniency go? It definitely goes by damages. What about theft? What if I stole an animal and 
I returned it and it's, let's say instead of an animal, it's a chair. I stole a chair worth $1,000 and I return it, it's broken. Now the pieces of the chair are worth $300. So do we have the same leniency that you don't have to replace the entire chair, you just have to pay the difference between the pieces and a full chair? That's the, that's the question. The question is, does this leniency of shaman, of evaluation, apply to other cases? The Gemara says, Amr Shmuel, ain't shaman loy laganif loy lagazlin elin nizakin. We do not apply this leniency to anywhere outside of damages. Theft does not apply this leniency. You steal an animal worth $1,000, and then you cannot return it worth $300. No, you got to pay $1,000. There's no such thing. This is a leniency for Hezek. It does not apply to Geneva and Gezela. Vani Oimer, Shmuel says, though, I would like to add, Afla Shoyal. Even a Shoyal has the same halacha. Va'aba Modeli, and my father agrees with me. Now, what does this mean? The case of a Shoyal is, I borrow an item, and then it breaks. So I borrow a chair worth $1,000, and then it breaks. So the question is, again, do I have to replace the entire chair worth 1000 or do I just pay the difference between a broken chair and a full chair? So let's say it's $700. So Abba Shmuel said, Afla shayl, the shayl is the same. Meaning the same as what? Is the shayl the same as mazik that you do to have the leniency? Or is it the same as Ganev and Gazel that you don't? It's ambiguous in the line. So the Gemara says, Question, what did he mean by the shoel? Does the shoel, he said, again, he said, this is a header for Nazikin, not for Geneva Gezela, and shoel is the same. Shoel is the same as what? Is it shoel the same as Geneva Gezela that we do not apply this leniency, or shoel is the same as, as Hezek that we do? So, there was a guy who borrowed an axe from his friend. Let's say the axe is worth $1,000. While he's using it, Tavra, it broke. So he has to replace it. Rav said he got to replace the entire axe. He didn't say pay the difference between a broken axe. You see that this heter evaluation does not apply to She'ela. Shmamina ain't shaman. So the Gemara says, no, Adarabah, look at the end of that story. What's your proof? Rav said you have to replace the entire axe. So you see that you have to replace the entire thing. We do not apply this leniency. But look at the end of the story. After Rav said that, Rav Kahana and Ravasi said to him, that's the halacha, and he was quiet. So you see that they questioned whether that's the halacha. So you see that it's not true. You don't have to replace the entire thing. By Shehla, we do apply the heter of shaman. That's the halacha. Okay. Now, Itmar, Amar, Ula, Amar, Avalazah, Shaman, Laganif, Lagazlin, Rav Papi, Amar, Ein Shaman, Vehilchasa, Ein Shaman. That's the machlokas, Lo Laganif, Lo Lagazlin. Avalashow, El Shaman, Kedirav, Kanav, Ravasi. We do evaluate for uh, for uh, She'ila. Okay. Now that we mentioned Ula, Amar, Avalazah, we're going to mention four halachas from Ula, Amar, Avalazah that are not related. Let me just explain one quick point before you do the next Gemara. This does not apply anymore, but in the times of the Beis HaMikdash, when a woman gave birth, she became Tameh for a certain amount of time, and then automatically Tahar for a certain amount of time. So for a boy, she was Tameh for seven days, and for a girl, she was Tameh for 14 days. Then they started the days of Tahara, uh, culminating with bringing a carbon. Okay, so now, so you got to know, obviously, starting... That's very important to know when the count starts because two two points by the way it's very important because it starts everything's tame and then also it's a leniency on the back end meaning st- the good thing to remember is starting the count early 
is on the one hand a stringency because it means that you're going to be machmer in the beginning because now everything in Tommy, like, like let's say there's like a Shiloh, does the count start on Monday or Tuesday? So if you say, well, start Monday, that's on the one hand a big stringency because that means that everything on Monday is going to be Tommy, but actually is a leniency on the back end because then it starts the days of Tahara earlier. So the halacha was, let's say a woman gives a miscarries um, and the shilia, uh, uh, the the shilia is a placenta, the sac. What do you call it? The sac, the the the, the placenta comes out. The halacha is: we assume that she gave birth, even if there's no body in it. We assume that it became liquefied. God forbid, and therefore she's tummy. Okay, it's called the shilia. If the shilia, if she if she miscarries then she's also Tommy. Now, we're not sure boy or girl, so we're going to give the stringency. We're going to treat it as if she gave birth to a girl which has more days of Toma. The halach is like this. It's my I'm sorry. Let's say you have a woman that part of the placenta left her body on Sunday, but she only officially, it fully left her body on Monday. So it started on Sunday, and then it didn't fully remove until Monday. So it was only part of the shilia, part of the placenta. I know, is that the translated placenta? That's messed up. How they translate it? Uh, just want to make sure. Amniotic sac. Is that a placenta? I think it's a placenta. Okay, I think it's a placenta. Yeah. So this shilia, I'll just call it a shilia. So this shilia, part of it left the body on Sunday, but it fully left on Monday. So the question is, the question is, uh, the question is, when did she, when did she have a when did she have a state of tumah? So the Gemara says it left on Sunday, but it fully was done on Monday. We are machmer that she officially becomes tameh on Sunday. Meaning, we assume ain shilya below vlad. So if part of the shilya left her body, that means that there was a part of the baby in that shilya. Not just a part, we assume possibly the majority of the baby was in that part that left. So let's say 40% left her body on Sunday, but 60% left on Monday. We're going to assume that the part that left, even if you don't see anything in it, had the remnants of a baby in it. And therefore, she was already Tomei from Sunday. Now that means... That's a leniency on the back end. Now, that's a little strange. You want to be machmer, I get it. You want to say that the, she began, began to give birth on Sunday, that's going to create a very nice stringency. Understood. Then she'll become that everything on Sunday is tummy. But it's a, a leniency on the back end because then she's taught her a day earlier. So the Gemara says, So I'm really rubbing my daytuch. Well, I don't understand. What's your reasoning? You want to be machmer. But it's a chumra on the it's a kul on the back end to commitiris lamirishan because then she's taught her a day earlier. So Ella Amarava Rava says, no, no, no. No, 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 no. We're gonna be machmer on both ends. Meaning, we're gonna be machmer that on Sunday she gave birth. That means that on Sunday she's everything she touches is Tame. But we're only gonna start the count on Monday. So we're gonna be machmer on both ends. Okay. The point of this gemara is that. My Kamash Malan, what's the point of this? Ain Shilya, ain Mixa Shilya Vlad. That even a part of the placenta comes out, you assume that there's a baby in there, and not just a baby, the majority of the baby's in there. Here's the problem. I already know this. How so? Tanina. So there's a there's a stringency that works on the other end. This is regarding um early in the morning for that um, there's, a, there's a stringency this is regarding birth but there's actually another stringency and that is if a, let's say an a, a, a animal that you're about to shecht is pregnant 
So if you shech the animal, the baby is covered by the shechita. But let's say you shech the animal and the majority of the animal is already sticking out on the back end of the animal she's giving birth. doesn't help. So what if you have an animal that has a placenta come out? The halacha is that we're machmer and we say that it didn't help for whatever's in the placenta. Why? Because you see the same thing. The part of the placenta, we're assuming, has the majority of the animal in it. So over here is the majority of the baby. So why do you have to say it twice? It's the exact same halacha. So the Gemara says, Tanina, we already have this b'risa. Because what does the b'risa say? If you have a placenta that comes out, part of the placenta comes out of an animal, you're not allowed to eat whatever's in the placenta. Because we're assuming that maybe it left before the shechita, that that little placenta that came out before the shechita had the majority of the of the fetus, and therefore it was already uh, considered out of the out of the animal, and therefore it's considered like it was already given birth. So that's a stringency by shechita. But says the brisa, simin levlad beisha, simin vlad behema. It's the same halacha by a woman. So you see that a part of the placenta coming out, we assume that it was already a full delivery. So why do you have to say it twice? So the gemara says, imas nisan no. If you just had the Mishnah by 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 uh, by uh, a shechita by an animal, have I mean I would say go to the next page. Yesh mikzashilia b'loy vlad ugzer mikzasa atukula. I would say over there, maybe over there we're machmer. Not to say that every time there's a part of the placenta, we assume the majority of the baby is in it. Rather, really, we assume there's no baby in it. But we're machmer part of the placenta or to the whole placenta. But I would not necessarily apply that to when it comes to tumma of a childbirth. Meaning, when you're dealing with an animal that's not kosher unless it's shechted, so yes, yeah, so we're machmer gezera part of the placenta or to the majority of the placenta, but we don't actually think the part of the placenta has the baby in it. And therefore, when it comes to tumma, we would not be machmer and say that everything that she touches is tummy. Kamash malan, therefore the Bryce had to say it twice. No, kamash malan, the rule is part of the placenta we assume has the majority, or machmer, that might have the majority of the fetus, and therefore it applies stringencies by here, stringencies by there. Okay, on to the next halacha from Ula Amravalazar. Vamar Ula Amravalazar, Becharsha Nitraf Betaich Lamid. If let's say you have a baby, according to Rasha, go through Rashi's chat, you have a little baby child that Loyalenu, uh, the child is killed before 30 days. The question is, do you have to do a Pidyan Aben at 30 days? So what's the Shaila? The Shaila is, are we assuming that, ha- that if the baby would survive, why is it that you don't, you don't do a Pidyan Aben before 30? Because before 30 days, you don't know if the baby is going to survive. It might be a nafil, right? Before 30 days, you don't know if the baby's a viable option. This baby was killed. We'll never know. The question is, should we be machmer and make you do a pidyan aben with the age when the child would reach 30 days because maybe the baby was viable? Again, it's not like it's not, normally the baby survives to 30 days and you do it, or God forbid, the baby dies on its own. So you know it's not viable. Over here, the baby was killed. So the Gemara says... Uh, I'm sorry, I don't understand something. Why would you do a pidyan after it's not alive anymore? Because the, 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 the truth is, a baby... What, what do you... What do you because the, the truth is a baby. What's the what, what's the whole the, the, point there's a mitzvah. There's a mitzvah to be the ben. The truth is, after two days, you should be paid to the ben. We just wait for thirty days because that's when the b- baby is viable. But even if the baby didn't survive, there's a purpose of doing it. It's a mitzvah that the parents had. There are certain things that we do even posthumously. So this would be one of them. So that's the question. So the Gemara says, <laughs> There is no pity in 
Meaning, and we don't think that maybe the baby would survive. The answer is no. There is no pidin aben until the until the baby is thirty days. V'chein tani rabbi barachama b'toich shenemar padei tifta. The pasuk says you have to do a pidin aben. Yachal afilu nitra b'toich lamin yoyim. You might think they have to do a pidin aben if the baby's killed. Tamalemer ach chalak. The pasuk says ach, saying no, you don't always do it. And this is an example where you do not do pidin aben. On to the next halacha. Amr ulam amr avalazer. Amr ulam amr avalazer. Behemagasa. We know that there's different ways to be kinda the smaller animals and bigger animals. Now small. Smaller animals are, are bikaina with meshicha. The question is, how are you kaina an ox, a big animal? Uh, big animals don't, uh, dragging it doesn't really work somewhere. So says Ramuvalazar, Behemagasa nix meshicha. You could be kaina Behemagasa by pulling it. But isn't there a mission in Kedushan that said, that you don't do it by pulling it, you do it by having the animal move on your own? Mesira. Mesira means. Mesira, Masir, yeah, Masir means that uh, that uh, that uh, Masir means that the animal is led. So the Gemara says, "Who the Amar He follows the other Tana, meaning that Ulam Rav Lazar says that it's Kaina with Mashicha is not following the mission in Kedushin. He follows the other Tana. The Tanya Chamar Mizuzu Mashicha. Chamar say both small animals and big animals be Kaina with Mashicha. And Rav Shimon Amar Mizuzu Rav Shimon says both can be picked up. And this is the sugya we had in Kedushin. But how do you pick up an elephant and you pick up the things and it jumps to it? Fine. Amr Ulam Ravalaz, another halacha, Haachin Shechalku, Masha Alehin Shaman. Oh, so you have two brothers that have, uh, the father died January 1st. They didn't end up going to court until February 1st. They go to court February 1st, and now they have to split up the assets. You know what they also have to do? They have to figure out the value of the clothing they're wearing. Because the clothing that they're wearing, they bought with the assets of Yerusha. So you got to evaluate the value of a suit because you got to figure out the guy's got a $300 suit on so that comes out of his chalik. The guy's got a $150 suit that's going to come out of his chalik. Okay. But, masha'al b'neim b'nei sein shaman. You do not have to evaluate the clothing of their children. This is assuming, obviously, that the clothing money was purchased from the estate. You do not have to evaluate the, the clothing value of the children. Why? Because it's embarrassing to go to court and have the Bezdin start evaluating people's clothing. And the average person does not want to put their child or their nephew through that. And therefore, Michael. Michael's on whatever the value of the clothing is. Now, says the Gemara. Sometimes you don't even have to evaluate the clothing value, and that is, what if the older brother, the oldest brother is wearing a nice suit, but the oldest brother, uh, 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 what do you call it, in court, he represented them in court. So in such a situation, they don't mind him having a nice suit because he looked better, it helped their cause. So in such a situation, you don't even have to evaluate his, his clothing because the other brothers are Michael because they want him to look good considering he, he, he represented them as their lawyer. Okay, Vaiter, another halacha. Amr Avulu, Amr Here's the shayla. You give me an item to watch and then I give it to someone else to watch. Am I allowed to do that? It's called Shaimer Shemasar L'Shaimer. Now, let me just explain outside. There's reasons to be Machmer and there's reasons to allow it. Now, and this, uh, by the way, also, you could also uh, think about does it matter whether you gave it to a Shaimer Sachar who then gave it to a Shaimer Chinam, so he's going lower in, in uh, guarding abilities, or go from a Shaimer Chinam to a Shaimer Sachar where you're going from a paid watchman. But the concept is like this you could look at it one of two ways. You could look at it as the average person doesn't mind. I gave it to Gavin, I trust him, he gives it to Adam, he trusts him, uh, what's the problem? Or, I can say, no, I gave it to you. 
Because you have to realize, every time you deal with a shimer, you're not just dealing with whether you trust him. If, let's say, there's a problem, you know what happens? I take you to court. And do I trust that you won't lie? Because maybe I trust you. I don't necessarily trust you. Not that I don't trust you to watch it. I don't trust you that you're not going to lie. So that's how you could look at it as it's okay. You could look at it as it's very much not okay. And these are the two opinions we're going to see right now. If I gave it to one shimer who gave it to another shimer, Potter. And the second shimer messed up. The first shimer does not have to pay. Meaning, not messed up. Something happens that, you know, in onus happened, let's say, to the second one. The first shimer is not, not responsible. Meaning, it's not negligence to give it to another shomer. And it's, it goes without saying, if I gave it to a shimer chinam, a free watchman who gave it to a paid watchman, so that's a higher level of security. It's a higher level of security that you definitely don't have to pay. But rather, even in the opposite case, I gave it to a paid watchman, who then gave it to an unpaid watchman. So it went down in level of security. I'm still the first shimer's potter. Why? I gave it to him, and he used, I'm, I'm trusting him to watch it, and I'm trusting him to make decisions about it, and he gave it to someone that was a responsible adult, so fine, so that's it, it doesn't matter what happens, that's not not, not, a, not negligence. But Rava says the opposite, no, I don't care, you cannot give it to another Shemir without my permission, and loy me boy, even if I gave it to an unpaid watchman, who gave it to a paid watchman, so it's going higher level security, I feel still it's negligence. Why? Because I can say to Gavin, I trusted you that you wouldn't lie in court if I ever took you to court. I don't know this other guy. I don't care that he's a paid watchman. He's a better security guard. I trusted you and you alone. And therefore, by you giving it to another person, that's negligence. Last halacha. The halacha is basically describing whether we look at avodim as karka or not. Is avodim metaltalin? Is it movables? Or is it like land? So, because it has land-like qualities, it's given over in Yerusha. It's it's stable. Okay, Amr Ulam Revelazar Hilchasa. The halacha is Goivin min havadim. I could collect a debt from slaves, meaning the slave can be collected as a payment for debt. Now the question is like this: two options. Okay, either it means this is talking about yisomim, meaning I, I again I I I, I lent Adam money. He didn't pay me back. He owes me a thousand dollars. I could take his slave as payment. Now, here's the problem. If I'm collecting it from Adam, what's the chiddush? I could collect the shirt off his back as payment. What's the difference? He, got, he could give me a slave. Like, of course he can give me a slave. A slave is value. Why can't I collect a slave? The answer is, the chiddush is I'm not collecting from the guy who lent me money. The guy who, le- who lent me money, the, the guy who I lent money to died. I'm collecting it from his children who are Yisoyimim. What's the chiddush? When you collect money from Yisoyimim, you only collect it from karka. You don't let, collect it from movables. And the chiddush is, avodim is karka. So the Gemara says, Rav Loza say even from Yisomim, meaning, are you able to collect um, if, if, let's say, you lent Ruven money, so Ruven owes you a thousand dollars, and Ruven died, could you go to Shimon, his son, and collect even from Yisomim? And meaning, and then Yisomim was like Karka, loy mine. No, you cannot collect from the Yisomim because it's not like Karka. So who could you collect from? You could only collect from Ruven himself. So the Gemara says, mine afilu maglima dal kaspai. Wait a minute. If you're collecting from Reuven, what's the chiddush in that? That I could collect from Reuven, I could collect the shirt off his back. I don't understand. Like, what's the chiddush that I could collect? I could collect as payment. I could collect slaves. Of course, you could collect slaves. So the Gemara says, "Hacha, may I ask you?" In the case is Shasu Aputiki. The case is as follows: 
I, I, and there is no Yisoyimim. It's Reuven, yeah? So let's go Adam. I, I, I lent Adam money, $1,000. Then uh, I could collect uh, Avadim as payment. Of course I collect Avadim as payment. The Chiddush is like this. Ru, uh, Adam sold the slave to, to Gavin. Now we know that there's a concept by property that property is encumbered, that you could collect undue property. I could undo the sale to collect it. I can't do that with a guitar. I can't do that with movables. The chiddush is I'm allowed to do that with assignment with, with with avodim if he did what's called an aputiki. An aputiki is what basically the guy says. It's basically making a lien. It's basically saying, "Listen, Menasha owes me I, I, I owes me a thousand dollars," and then Menasha says, "Listen, I don't want you to pay for it. I want you to collect this. This is yours." Meaning it's, it's meaning it's basically saying there's a lien on this item. This item belongs to you. You collect it whenever you want. If you then were to sell it, you could undo it, even though it's movables. So the chiddush is that avodim are movables. So what's the chiddush that I could collect it from Ruvain? The case is where Ruvain sold it to Shimon. You could undo the sale to, to do that, which you cannot do by other movables, by the way. So the chiddush, So what the question is, what's the difference between avodim and a, and a guitar? I can't do it with a guitar because it's a movable. Even if it's sold, there's no encumbered property on movables. But avodim there is. So the Gemara says... You can't do this by an ox, but you can do it by a slave. What's the difference? The reason is, whenever you buy something, taking property from an encumbered property is very damaging to the second purchaser, right? You buy land, and then there's a lien on the property. That's a big headache to you. The difference is, you knew about it. You could check the files, so you, you took a risk. Slaves, there's more, there's more talk about. Meaning, people talk about slaves a little bit more. So, if I put an encumbered aputiki, which is basically I'm making the slave encumbered property, you'll know about it. So, if you buy it, you know you're taking a risk. In ox, no one will ever find out. Slaves, there's more knowledge about the background of them and leans on them. So, by the way, just end off with this. So, right now we're saying that you cannot collect avodim from yisomim. You could because it's not land. You could only collect it from the person himself. And the chiddush is, you could collect it even if it's encumbered. You could undo a sale. Labasa dinafik. But after, after he left the room, after Nachman left the room, Amalu Ula Ula actually said, "Hachi Amar Avelazar, Afilu Miyasmi." He said, "Actually, it's not true. You could collect it even from Yisomim, meaning Avodim Ar Karka, and you could collect it from Yisomim." Tomorrow we'll review this last point. We'll stop here.